Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Things That Charlie Did, Chapter 6. A second helping satisfied Charlie's hunger, but Maria's curiosity on why someone from California would be renting a room in the small village of San Miguel was going to be harder to satisfy. After dinner, Maria helped her mother wash the dishes. It took about 30 minutes or so. Charlie sat at the iron table with Mr. Gomez. They glanced at each other occasionally and smiled. Mr. Gomez enjoyed a cigar and sipped a glass of tea. Charlie sat patiently waiting for Maria to finish. When she finally did, she joined him and her father at the table. That was a great meal, said Charlie. My mother lives to cook, said Maria. I think you'll enjoy all the meals while you're here for, well, forever how long that's going to be. Maria was gently, maybe even subtly hinting. I'm writing a book, said Charlie. I randomly picked the place as somewhere to come and work to finish, you know. I'm thinking maybe four, five, six weeks. Wow. What do you write about, if you don't mind me asking? Asked Maria. Well, really about my life before. You know, I was a lawyer. I guess I'm still a lawyer. I'm a lawyer and I write about lawyer stuff. Where did you learn to speak perfect English, if you don't mind me asking? In Mexico City, she said, I went to the university there. What did you study? Education, she said. I'm a teacher. A teacher, Charlie said flatly. He had almost forgotten the horrible discovery he'd made in the jungle and the gruesome task he was going to have to go through in the morning with the image of the teenager's dead body hitting him again. You got something against teachers, she asked. No, not at all, he responded. It's a very noble profession. I'm sure it's very rewarding. It has its days, she said. Probably a lot like being a writer or a lawyer or a writing lawyer, she giggled. Yeah, I know the feeling, but out here, I mean, where's the school? Who do you teach? In Cuidad Norte, she responded, I have a class with 11 boys, 8 girls, all between the ages of 15 and 18. A handful, believe me. It suddenly dawned on Charlie that Maria must have known the young man that lay dead in the jungle. Should he tell her? No. It would be best to just keep that out of the conversation for now. Even better, he thought, he'd change the subject. Even though the conversation about school was bothering him to a point of being uncomfortable, he wanted to continue to talk to Maria. The room is nice, he said. Good. I'm glad you like it. They stay empty this time of year. Well, yes, I was told it's not hard to get one this time of year. Oh, I see you've met our sheriff slash mayor slash everything else. He always tells people that. Yeah, as soon as I came into town, said Charlie. He's a nice man. He and his wife have lived across the road here in the same house for over 30 years. Wow, 30 years, that's a long time, said Charlie. Well, it is to me, she said. I'll bet it is. He hesitated. 
I don't mean to be impolite, but I doubt you're 30. Close. Just turned 30 last month, she said. Oh, you don't look that old, said Charlie. Yeah, I get that a lot. Now she was eager to change the subject. So, anyway, the sheriff was right about the rooms being vacant right now. But believe it or not, we do rent these rooms out from time to time. To whom that could possibly be was certainly a mystery to Charlie. But he figured he'd just leave it alone because it might be rude to ask. He leaned back in his chair with the iced tea glass being held by both hands. The ice had now melted, and the little that remained in the glass was mostly water. The one single light that lit the patio area was shining brightly as the sun was now completely down. Mr. Gomez had sat quietly listening to their conversation and puffing his cigar. He excused himself by simply waving and smiling as he went back into the house, leaving Maria and Charlie alone. Charlie returned the wave and smile, and there was a loving, sounding exchange between Maria and her father in Spanish. The cool temperature of the mountain air and high humidity of the jungle made for a comfortable evening. It wasn't just the climate, but Charlie liked the company too. He could tell Maria might be feeling the same. Her smiles, the way she looked into his eyes, and the way she tried so hard to seem confident in herself were signs that maybe she was enjoying her conversation with Charlie as much as he with her. She was trying hard to make it seem like she was enjoying herself, but it was really no big deal. It was an old behavior Charlie had seen in girls before. He often thought that their overacting gave them away. He hated to put Maria into that same category, but there it was. She did surprise him, though, with what came next. Hey, she said, as if a light bulb went off in her head. You like horses? Yeah, I love horses, said Charlie. In fact, I have one. The question caught Charlie off guard. It was so out of the blue and a little off the wall. Do you? Tell me about your horse. I love horses, she said. I take it you have one too, said Charlie. Yeah, but you go first. Okay, well, her name is Mandy. She's full-blooded Arabian, gray with a white mane. I feel guilty that I don't get to spend as much time with her as I would like to. The time we do spend together is great, though. I love to ride her on the beach. Well, that's enough. Your turn now. I have a solid black stallion, she started. His name is spirit. He's beautiful. You want to see him? Yeah, sure, said Charlie. The thought of petting a horse sounded soothing. Besides, Maria looked excited and proud to show her horse off to someone who would appreciate it. Maria eagerly jumped up. Charlie followed. She leaned inside the house and shouted something in Spanish. Charlie guessed she was telling her parents that they were going to look at the horse. Charlie was touched by Maria's doing that. It wasn't often that you see a 30-year-old woman so considerate to let her mother and father know her whereabouts. They stepped off the porch, down several steps into gravel and grass that sat just beyond the patio. There was no light except for a small outdoor light about 40 yards or so in front of them on what appeared to be a barn. 
A three-quarter full moon and thousands of stars were high above as they walked toward the light. The barn? asked Charlie as he walked next to Maria and pointed ahead. Yeah, that's where spirit is. I didn't see that from the road, said Charlie. Oh, you can't. It's blocked by the house. Careful where you step. Maria took Charlie's arm. It only took a minute or two to get to the barn. Charlie was struck at how well-maintained of a building it was. Wooden, freshly painted in white and brown. It was large enough to serve as stables for several horses. A padlock held two large front doors together. Maria took a key from her pocket and opened the lock, then the doors. Charlie followed her inside. A light switch was flipped and several bulbs came to life, illuminating the inside of the barn. Maria's horse sprang to life, obviously glad to see her. The horse's stable was clean and large and separated from other items in the barn by well-maintained slats of cedar wood and fence posts. Maria went straight to the horse, hugged his head, and then began stroking his face as she cooed to him, Hey, baby. Hey, spirit. He's beautiful, said Charlie. He stepped up to inspect the animal closer and join in on the petting. Solid black, including mane, the horse was very tall and muscular. His mane was shiny and he stood with the proud arched back of a well-maintained animal. I've got an idea, started Maria. In the morning, why don't you come with me for my morning ride? It's very early, but I promise you'll enjoy it. Spirit is very friendly to new riders and I'm afraid I can't do that, Maria, interrupted Charlie. Oh, okay. I just thought it might be. I'd like to, said Charlie, but I've really got to do something with Mr. Garcia in the morning. Mr. Garcia, she asked. She sounded puzzled. Funny, I haven't known him to get up that early in years. She was suspicious again, but still, even though Charlie sensed her suspicion, he didn't want to tell her what he and Mr. Garcia would be doing. He could even sense that he had hurt her feelings slightly. They ended the evening with a promise to go riding on another morning. Charlie was exhausted once he finally got into bed and very pleased with the cleanliness of the linen and the comfortable bed. It seemed as if he had just shut his eyes before the next morning's sun began to strike his eyes and wake him. Despite the seemingly short night, he felt rested and revived. He thought about the task at hand, though, and wished this was the morning he'd be going to ride Maria's horse spirit, but it wasn't. A quick shower and fresh clothes revived him even further. The smell of bacon, eggs, and corn tortillas coming from downstairs didn't hurt the situation. The food was laid out in the same way it had been for dinner the night before. Maria's father was there smiling, offering a hot cup of coffee. Charlie gladly accepted the coffee and piled some of the softly scrambled eggs on his plate along with a few strips of bacon and a couple of corn tortillas. He ate outside as the sun rose higher in the sky and over the tops of the trees. Before he finished, he heard voices coming from inside the house. He was hoping to see Maria, but 
there was only one female voice along with two male voices he was hearing. A closer listen revealed that the female voice was Mrs. Gomez. The male voice he heard was that of Mr. Gomez and Mr. Garcia. At least Mr. Garcia gave him a chance to wake up and get started before he started off on his gruesome task. Mr. Garcia soon joined him with a cup of coffee in his hands. You ready? he asked. His mood was sad, but he was smiling. Charlie had eaten all he wanted, especially now, and indicated that he was ready. He followed Mr. Garcia out the front door into his police vehicle, which set Park almost in the middle of the road, solid white with a single blue round strobe light on top and the word Policia in green letters on the side. I'll drive. It's open, said Garcia. Charlie hopped in and had to scoot some things over in the floorboard in order to set his feet down. There was a clipboard with a paper saying crime scene report. There was also what was obviously a body bag and on top of it, a Polaroid camera. These were subtle reminders of just exactly what it was they were about to do. Carefully, they retraced Charlie's steps for most of the morning. Twice they had stopped and gone into the jungle to look for the exact spot the body would be, but they weren't having any luck. Garcia was aware of the trail Charlie had described to him. The problem was that the trail could be accessed at several points along the road from Cuidad Norte to San Miguel. They would just have to try each of those points. By early afternoon, they had found the spot. By the time they got to the young man's body, it had, like Mr. Garcia suggested the night before, been taken advantage of by the jungle animals. Somehow Charlie found the strength to help get the rotting corpse into the body bag. While doing so, a leather necklace with a small turquoise stone fell from the body. Charlie picked it up and stuck it into his pocket before resuming his ghastly deed of bagging the body and helping to photograph the scene. Charlie and Mr. Garcia carried the body back down the trail and the short distance through the jungle. Once back to the road and to the truck, Charlie helped to gently set the body in the back. They didn't speak much on the way back to San Miguel. Mr. Garcia was probably thinking about the next steps in solving a murder. Charlie was definitely thinking about getting on with his writing, anything to put this unpleasant experience behind him. Once they had pulled into town and parked in front of the Gomez house, it was mid-afternoon. I'm sorry this took so long today, and I appreciate all your help, said Mr. Garcia. Don't you need me to help take the body somewhere? I can help you get... Charlie was interrupted. I've got it from here. Thanks, Mr. Duncan, said the officer. Charlie took that as his cue to move on. He wondered just how it was going to be possible for Mr. Garcia to handle getting the body out of the truck himself, but decided to leave it alone. 
They shook hands once both were outside and Charlie headed back to his rented room. Another quick shower to wash away the sweat and memory of the day revived him. It was time to start writing. He emptied the pockets of the jeans he had been wearing in order to put the contents into the clean pair he had laid on the bed. There was a wad of money, assorted coins, his keys, and the necklace that had been picked up from the jungle floor when it fell from the dead boy's neck. Replacing his jeans and refilling the pockets except for the necklace which he left on the bed, he finally sat at the desk. He picked up a fresh pen and a yellow pad and began to wonder what to write next. Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we continue with Things That Charlie Did. I'm Rodney Mathers. Goodbye for now.